0: Hi everyone, I'm Ben Wright, successful entrepreneur, corporate leader, and expert sales coach to some of the most talented people our amazing planet has to offer. You're listening to the Stronger Sales Team Podcast, where we bring together and simplify the complex world of B2B sales management to help the millions of sales managers worldwide build, motivate, and keep together highly effective sales teams, teams who grow revenue and make their businesses actual profit. Along the journey, we also provide great insights and actionable steps to managing your personal health. A happy and productive you is not only better for your teams, but everyone around you. So if you're an ambitious sales leader who wants to build the highest performing and engaged teams, Stronger Sales Teams is right where you need to be. Welcome back to Stronger Sales Teams, the place where we provide real-world and practical advice to help you build your super-powered B2B sales teams. This morning for me or this evening for Justine, I have Justine Beauregard on the podcast with us. I've been looking forward to having Justine on this show and I'll share a story before we get into it and that's because I met Justine through another series of presenters about six months ago and I really liked what Justine had to say and when I say met, I listened to Justine presenting and there were about 20 presenters through this series. And Justine's the only one, the only presenter out of that series that I had something that really resonated with me. So I thought, you know what? Justine's someone that needs to be on our show because I think she will also resonate with the people that listen into Stronger Sales Team's podcast. So welcome, Justine. I'm going to give you a better introduction than that, right? You've been a sales coach and trainer since 2008. So you're 15 years in. That's a really long time, particularly when Justine had a pretty strong background behind that, having worked for for -for not-for-profits, having worked for a number of startups and startups that grew really fast, right? So Justine's one of those coaches that has the background, has carried the bag to be able to give great advice as sales coach and trainer. So she helps entrepreneurs love what they sell and love how they sell it, right? I really like that about Justine. And at the moment, we've ticked up, I think Justine, you've clicked over just over 550 clients, increased their revenue. Uh, The number you gave me was 2,300%, which are seriously good numbers. And of course, we repeat that having fun, right, while they do it. So Justine's helped scale multiple businesses to 300 million plus, which means she knows really where businesses get stuck, what makes them really successful, and loves sharing those, those lessons with people in her own podcast, which is People Over. Profit, if you ever want to get a moment to listen to it. So in Justine's words, a little quote from her before we get into it, too many entrepreneurs are hidden gems who deserve to be seen, right? So you're special, you have a set of skills, gifts, and natural abilities that no one else has, and your business is how you share them with the world. My job is to not only help you see them, but help others see them too. I like that. First time I've introduced someone with a quote from themselves. So, fantastic. So, welcome, Justine. Thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to join us. How are you?
1: Thank you so much, Ben. It's great to be here. I'm doing well.
0: Excellent. Well, we are going to jump straight into it. Can you please, before we do though, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are and why you're successful?
1: Yeah. Well, I think... It all began years ago before we recorded this episode. We got into a little bit of my story and my background, and I really started entrepreneurship when I was five or six years old. Other kids were sliding on the slide and swinging on the swings, and I was laminating business cards for what I called JJ's Jewelry Co., and I was selling friendship bracelets for a dollar a piece on the playground. And I think I've just born with this entrepreneurial spirit and this desire for freedom. It's one of my core desired feelings and values as a human being. And seeing that there's so much potential for upside, not just in terms of revenue, but time freedom, energy freedom, being who you want to be and working with who you want to work with. And so from a very young age, I was very enamored of this idea that I could build a business that was all my own. That was something I could maybe pass on to my children, something that I could build a brand around and really Mm -hmm. influence and impact people in the ways that I thought were the most important ways to impact and influence people where it was more about the mission and more about the differentiators that make us all unique and special. And I think that there is somewhere deep inside a business in all of us, if not one, multiples. And I love seeing people with great gifts and innate skills and talents, just being able to get paid well for their expertise and their knowledge. And I see too many people that go to dead end jobs or get their, you know, life sucked out of them every day going to a job that they really don't enjoy where we spend a lot of our time in our career. So to be able to design a life that really supports you and what you want to create and what you want to do is just a passion of mine and to see it in other people and to see it come out in them just really lights me up. So that's why I do what I do. And because I've influenced over 550 clients, I feel like I'm pretty (laughs) successful in that way.
0: Yeah, and that's absolutely come across in the time we've had together before we've been recording that podcast. I love what you say about everyone has a business in them. Well, look, in my case, I'm up to number five and three of those first four have been really successful and the fourth, which wasn't so successful, I probably learned actually as much in that one as I did in any of the really successful ones. But yeah, absolutely agree, agree with what you're saying. I know you love talking about pitching leadership. I've heard you do it before. What does that mean to you? What is pitching leadership and what does it mean to you?
1: Yeah, I think it's establishing your expertise and then also being able to transfer that to other people, right? And it's the skill of not just sales skills, but I think sales skills are actually human skills. And a lot of people define them as soft skills, but I think they're actually some of the hardest skills to learn, right? And so ironically, in that way, there are skills of active listening, communication, and understanding people. And I was actually having a conversation with someone earlier today who was saying how hard sales was because... You have to sell people what they want or what they need. And it's really hard to know what they want or what they need when you're just meeting them. And I said, is it though, is it hard to know if you ask the right questions, if you're curious, if you're open, if you care about them and you want what's best for them? Like, I think a lot of people, when they think about pitching and when they think about entering into these conversations, their immediate thought goes to a script or goes to a process that they've predefined before you meet somebody. And we don't do that in other areas of our lives when we're creating relationships and connections with people, what we want to do is find the things that resonate, find the points of connection, and really be able to reflect back what we're noticing and make sure that when we're talking, I'm noticing when you're smiling, I'm noticing when you're leaning in, I'm noticing when your body language is telling me something, your tone of voice is communicating something versus, you know, same thing in a partnership and same thing in relationships and friendships and all of these different dynamic conversations that happen every day. When you're great at sales, not only is your income and your earning potential uncapped, but you're also able to develop the most incredible and meaningful relationships with other humans. And as social creatures, we're learning skills that make us the most well-rounded version of ourselves. And that all kind of comes back to how do you communicate and communication and relating to people is pitching.
0: Absolutely. So what I'm hearing from you is, look, it's important to know what you're going to say at some point. It's important to know your content, but actually being present in the conversation without having rigidity to your script, right, or being able to truly listen and build a connection, I'm hearing that for you that is critical in pitching leadership. So we have lots, lots of sales leaders that listen to this podcast and lots of leaders in general, actually. So if you're a, I always use the word new, but perhaps I need to be a little bit more open with that. If you're a leader who wants to grow how they pitch leadership, what advice would you give to them as to how they can go about getting better at that part of their game?
1: Yeah, I think that it all comes down to leveraging the skills of the team. Right? Everybody has innate skills. And one of my favorite exercises to do when I'm training sales teams or when I'm talking to leaders of sales teams is to identify who is your most influential person and who's your best salesperson. Sometimes those are the same person and sometimes they're different. Mm. But getting into a room and understanding well, this person has a very good close rate on sales calls. This person has the ability to really connect to new leads and bring in prospects like nobody else in the organization. And this person has the ability to rally the team and keep the morale at the highest level? How do we leverage the strengths of each of those people and really bring them in and have it almost be like a peer-to-peer training as well as the leader recognizing and acknowledging those skills and then bringing them all together to make everybody better because we can't possibly be the best at everything. And usually there are innate skills among a team of people and even within yourself and people that you know are connected to that you can kind of bring in for a more dynamic conversation. So really just taking stock of who's in the rooms, kind of scanning all of those skills and then bringing them together for even higher levels of learning quickly.
0: Well, so I have met with dozens and dozens of sales leaders, and I've worked with dozens and dozens of sales leaders over the last 12 months. And it is really rare that I hear that comment said, and, and I'll be really open with you. It is one of my key drivers, my key principles of any team that I ever built, certainly in our largest business that we had. We had a team there where we had very different skill sets across that team. And what that resulted in was it resulted in certainly a greater propensity for conflict Right, Because you had robust conversations that had very, very different perspectives. And I remember sessions where I would have 8 to 10 salespeople really, really having a very robust conversation back with me. And the easiest answer there as a sales leader was to shut it down and say, well, hang on, I'm in charge here. We're going to run this my way. But the best sales leaders that I work with and the ones that are truly growing actually recognize that that diversity, which is what you're saying, that diversity in how you build connections, that diversity in how you close sales, that diversity in how you actually just go and look for where you can add value to people is critical in that learning program for the team. Absolutely critical. So, yeah, I love it when I hear other leaders in this world talk about uh, building diversity into your team. So, one of the areas you spoke about then was, was opening doors and networking There is no doubt at the moment that social selling is very relevant from a networking point of view and it's all about social media and connections right or wrong, right? It's certainly the rhetoric out. That is the new way to network. I've heard you talk about the more traditional ways of networking a fair bit on your podcast and I myself love that traditional form. Do you still value it this year and beyond that personal networking and it has many different forms and and if you do or if you don't, what are the reasons behind that?
1: Yeah, of course. I think there is a reason why those traditional forms of networking are still prevalent. And I don't know that they're ever going to go away. I think mm-hmm. meeting people face to face and especially after the pandemic, I think people have been hungry for real connection and real like sit down conversations, look me in the mm. eye, have those meaningful chats and really go deeper on a topic than just scanning a room and seeing how many people can I meet at a time. You know, everything has its place, right? So, social media and the reason why social selling is so popular is because there are 3 billion active users on social media every day and the that's half the world's population roughly. So, I think when we see those numbers it would be crazy to not leverage a platform that has access to that many people. But that is if you're playing the volume game and you're really trying to reach as many people as possible, which Some people do, and strategically, I do it as well. But there's also the value side, right? Once you know exactly who you need to meet, you get really crystal clear on who that ideal customer is. Then it's about, how do I meet more of those people in a more intimate way so I can create sales quicker? And this is essentially the difference between marketing and selling, right? Marketing is pre-selling to massive groups of people. Mm -hmm. Selling is one-to-one, more direct action. So when we're really thinking about, yeah, there's some great potential to grow a following of 100,000 people and have access to this massive network, that's great. But realistically, how many of those people do you really need to convert to hit your sales goals this year? And kind of backtracking and doing the math, which business is math. So once you know I really only need to have 100 really good quality conversations this year to be able to leverage that. And then also as you build the sales skills of referrals and getting your average lifetime customer value up and going more into like the metrics and the drivers of massive growth on the back end, you can take that 100 people and make it 50 and quadruple your sales numbers when you get you know, into the nitty gritty of like how you actually scale. So I think it's important to just know where you are when you're newer to sales, you're going to be more focused on the volume, figuring out what works. But when you get more seasoned, you're definitely more focused on those quality connections over the vanity metrics.
0: I love that. Well, it was a very loose definition, but I certainly love it around social selling that times it's actually marketing. It's building your audience, but it's not necessarily building your sales funnel. I think we're on the same page here. Networking is actually about building your sales funnel, more of the here and now. And whilst it takes a greater amount of effort to meet every person, so your time for one-to-one connections is certainly far more significant in a networking point of view. It can have, or it should have far higher close rates and far higher relevance to your plan. Yeah, great. Okay, so let's say you're out at that networking event and perhaps we frame this from a point of view as a sales leader as to how you can coach your team. One of your team is at a networking event. And I know you've got some good frameworks here, so I might be leading you into this one. But uh, how do you nail that first impression when you're at a networking event?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's always start with the end in mind is a great philosophy, not mine, but one that I live and, you know, follow is when you think about what are you first going to that networking event for and getting really clear on your goals. Sometimes I go to a networking event and I'm really there to meet partners. I really want to meet the types of people who are upstream or downstream for me that can connect me to the right people where I can leverage other people's audiences, which is what I call bopa or borrowing other people's audiences for more leverage like being on this podcast, right? So I might want to meet as many people with a podcast or a blog that I could contribute my thoughts and opinions to at a thought leadership type of level and establish those connections. Sometimes I want to just fill my pipeline and meet the right types of people. And I know that that event is going to have a lot of great leads. So I'm really mm. looking to connect with the right type of clients. Sometimes it's different goals like media exposure, even just colleagues and people that I can mastermind with or network with or find someone who maybe can do some sort of administrative role in my business, like a VA or an assistant or something like that. So really, it's get clear on the goals. And then when you're making your first impression, you really want to think about how do I make that connection to get to that goal as quickly as possible? And networking events where people usually go wrong, in my opinion, is that they spend too much time with each person at the event. The whole goal of an event is to meet as many people as possible to form some sort of bond with them quickly and then move on to the next person so you can establish that one-to-one connection after the event is over. Otherwise, you're not really maximizing the potential of that event. So I always like to start with a basic question or a bold opinion or something that's going to sort of rally people around, okay, where are the right people for each other? You're asking me a question that interests me or you're saying something about my type of industry that really intrigues me let's continue to have that conversation once you kind of establish that baseline it's really about sharing your unique thoughts and perspectives quickly so that you can figure out do our core values align are we on the same page so we kind of have that relatability with each other and then figuring out where their unique perspective is so you can relate to them because it's not just about you But most people are a little bit more hesitant to bring out their own opinions by default. So when you're a good networker, you're Mm -hmm. asking the right questions and leading them down a path to be able to say, you know what, I agree with you. Here's what I think. And they start getting into their story. And now you're both on board with the conversation, which is where you want to kind of have that, okay, here's where I leave you. What am I going to give you as sort of like a walk away type of call to action in person? Do I want to take your business card? And this kind of goes to your sales process. Like, do I want to take your business card? Do I want to give you mine? Do I have a phone that's up with a QR code? Do I want you to book an appointment right here? Like, what are those next steps and what does that look like? And what you really ideally want to do is control the process yourself. Because if you leave the ball in their court, you can't determine whether or not they're going to do the follow-up. So I always say, own your follow-up. The fortune Mm. is in the follow-ups. Typically, I have a little notebook where I keep, I have an Android. So on my phone, I have something called Google Keep, which is a little notes app. And I'll write down the names of the people that I met. As soon as I meet them, I'll have my notes app on the ready. And I'll go, Jenny, great hair, cute top, works with these types of people. Then when I go back to my notes after, I reserve some time to say, hey, Jenny, Loved your hair. Once again, the pink is really working for you. And that leopard top woo fire loved it. Also, this is what we talked about. And this is what I'm excited to connect on. Let me know how you would like to move forward. Or you mentioned wanting to book a call. Here's my call link. Really simple ways to follow up and have some of those points of connection memorable so that you don't forget where you kind of left off.
0: There's something I found really interesting what you had to say then, and it is clearly to be able to approach these conversations with a looseness in how you're going to go, what you're going to talk about, right? But underneath that, there was a really evident process, right? And it was know your goal, get in and and get across as many people as you can, understand where you two are going to have a form of relationship, take notes, know what your follow up is going to be, and then action it, right? And I paraphrase that very much with my strong Australian slang.
1: Yeah, beautifully.
0: <laughs> that was great. We'll put that out in the podcast notes there summer as well. But for me, so what I'm hearing is there's actually really strong process behind how you go about networking. So one of the parts of that networking conversation that will often come up is your sales pitch. And I've heard you, you know, deliver this before, and I think it's fantastic. Would you be okay now with sharing with our listeners how you go about formulating your sales pitch or teaching others to form a sales pitch?
1: Yeah. So there's definitely multiple ways to structure a sales pitch and it's not unlike the networking framework, right? There's a lot of that same fundamental principles and like underlying layers of what we just talked about. So the first thing I do is always start off with a question or a bold statement, something to really solidify, like, this is who I am, what I think, feel and believe or a question that's gonna kind of spark interest for people like you may be wondering how to create a stronger sales team or you may be wondering how to create the perfect pitch, something like that, that really gets someone to go, I am your ideal customer or I'm not your ideal customer. And then from there, you wanna move to what your unique perspective is. So like the real question here isn't how to create the perfect pitch, it's how to create the perfect pitch for you. So that's when you bring it back to relating to them. Maybe you're meeting with a bunch of people right now and you're not able to really connect to them on a deeper level or close the sale as quickly as you'd like to. So from here, you want to kind of have that visioning statement of you've just identified their pain. You've kind of related to them a little bit. You shared your opinion a little bit. Now you want to say, but imagine how it would feel if you could walk up to anybody at any point and know exactly what to say about what it is that you do and share it with so much integrity and so much confidence that those people instantly connect to you and suddenly feel drawn to buy from you, right? That's going to now put them in the state of like, well, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. So now you're actually connecting the question or the bold statement from the beginning to the sort of visioning to help them see what their potential is in partnering with you, working with you, buying from you, something like that. And then you sort of move to giving them that kind of aha moment of how simple it can be. Like in just three simple steps, I will teach you a basic pitch framework that will allow you to initiate sales conversations, close them simply, and be able to you know, leverage that customer relationship for the long term to increase lifetime customer value. And that's where you drop the call to action. So if you're interested in learning more about that, click here, book a call, fill out the application, whatever that looks like, so that you're giving them an actionable next step, which is, frankly, usually where people go wrong is they have this whole beautiful pitch, and then they get to the end, and they go, So let me know if you're interested and it's like this very open-ended like, okay, how do I let you know? Do I call you? Do I text you? Do I email you? Do I go to your website? Do I fill out an application? Like what is that next step? So being really clear on your sales process when you define your pitch framework, this is how I want to connect with people. These are the core values and this is where I want to leave them and make sure that they have a clear next step and that it's easy to take and it doesn't take them more than a minute or two to complete.
0: So we're talking Current state, future state, how you're going to help people get there, and then really importantly, that call to action at the end, right? Which, which right. we call, uh, It's essentially asking for business, right? And for me, that's something I was taught 20 years ago. In fact, when you hear it about uh, John Whitmore was a real pioneer in executive coaching, you hear a little bit around his style around executive coaching actually has current state, future state, and how you're going to get there. So for me, what I really like is that the psychology behind how, how you do this hasn't changed. Yeah. But the vehicles and the way you talk to people, that probably has, because certainly storytelling, for example, in the nineteen eighties, successful salespeople were not leading with storytelling. Right, You know, it was your pitch, it was your clothes, right? But now storytelling is just a different way and you've gone through that yourself, right? You have a powerful story from five to six years old. I started as an entrepreneur, right? So, there's some really powerful stories behind that. So, it's important, I think, that sales leaders and sales people know what their story is and their brand is when they're speaking to people. So, Justine, if you're a sales leader now and you're trying to help your team network more effectively and focus on that part of their sales journey, what advice would you be giving to a sales leader now?
1: I would say try to find as many opportunities to expose your team to more people mm-hmm. as possible. Right. I often talk about sales like we don't get good at basketball by watching Michael Jordan shoot three pointers and we're not going to get good at sales by just listening to podcasts like this one, even though it's an amazing podcast and you've done so much hard work and bringing great guests on. I think that the key is getting out there and actually doing the thing, because when you take the basketball example, when you get on the court And you hold the basketball, of course, Michael Jordan makes it look easy. He does it every day. He's great at it. But when you hold Mm -hmm. the ball, and you actually try to throw it, you realize, I'm actually three inches shorter than him. And I'm not able to shoot that, you know, as efficiently. And I don't I need to be a little bit more at an angle because I'm doing it this way. So If you're trying to get your team comfortable and really good at selling, it's put them in situations where they can sell. And if you don't have them readily available, do them as role play scenarios within the group, right? So I always say like, fill your active sales time with active sales actions. You don't want to fill your sales time by doing administrative tasks or you know catching up on Salesforce Definitely. actions or different things like that. You want them to be spending that time, like how much of their time should be dedicated to selling? And if they're not actually with a prospect, they should be at an event or they should be sitting down with another colleague and doing role play scenarios back and forth so that they can really build those skills in real time and being as present as they can in that moment to really think about, What would someone actually object to? Push me, challenge me, make it difficult to get the yes. Don't make it easy because we don't learn through success. We learn through failure. And as you said before, you've been through five companies. The fourth one wasn't as successful, but you probably learned just as much as all the others just from that one because we learn through failure, because we learn through experience. And so giving yourself the gift of that experience is only going to make you a better sales leader and a better salesperson.
0: Mm, Right. Absolutely. Get your sales team in front of customers. I mean, there couldn't be truer advice than that. So, Justine, before we finish up today, there's a question I've been wanting to ask you since the start, and we've spoken about it a little bit, actually, is scripting versus non-scripting. So, you're getting your salespeople out in front of as many customers as you can, and if you can't, you're giving them real practical practice. As a leader, are you encouraging teams to have scripts, no scripts, somewhere in the middle? How do you go about it?
1: I think, to your point earlier, there is sort of an inherent process and framework behind every sales process, right? Like we want to think about how do we want that conversation to go, but there has to be an openness to go where the conversation leads you and be really good at just organically following the path that someone is dropping down for you. There have been times during sales conversations Mm. where it did not at all go as expected. You know, you're trying to get into a visioning statement and like get into that part of your pitch and Someone kind of throws a curveball at you, and I'll give you a really vulnerable share and like transparency with this. Is I was having a sales call with someone a couple weeks ago, and mid conversation, I'm like in the middle of this talk with her, and she just goes, Justine, I'm going to pause you right there. How do you think this conversation is going right now? And I kind of took a step back and I thought about it for a minute, and I went, You know what? Not great. And she was like, why do you think that is? And I said, I don't know. I felt like since the beginning of the conversation, something's definitely felt off. Like you've been more closed off to hearing what I have to say. Even though you're asking the right questions, it definitely feels like there's more of a push and pull than I normally have during sales conversations. And I'm really actually glad that you brought this up because... I don't think it's going well. And I'd actually like to invite you to share how you're feeling and whether or not you think we should kind of just end it here. And she took a pause and said, I really respect you for that. And I think what I'm looking for is more specific examples on this side of the conversation and gave me exactly what she needed to hear from me. And then I gave that to her and we ended the call feeling like, More connected than I've ever felt to someone on a sales call. And I actually wrote her an email after, and the subject line was layers of gratitude. I have not been challenged on a sales call in years. I've been teaching people Mm. how to sell for 15 years, Mm. and I very rarely have somebody say to me, It's not going well. Or I've never had someone stop me mid conversation and go, How do you think it's going? And for me to answer honestly, Not great, was sort of a transformational moment. And I was just like, Wow. I love the integrity of this person to not want to sit there and keep going at something. And that ability to shift the conversation in that moment, to be with her in her feelings, to be with myself in my feelings, and to have that open communication. By the end of the call, her daughter came into the conversation. like I was meeting her family. We had a deeper connection. And I think that in a lot of cases, when we go just by a pitch or just by a frame, It is inherently selfish and ego driven, right? We want to follow our framework and we want to feel good about how we're selling, but learning the skills of being a human and being with somebody and not being afraid to call attention to things when they're feeling a little bit off or pushing yourself in a different direction and being able to go with the flow, that just makes you a better human. Like I said before, with sales skills, they make us a good person as well as a good salesperson, And so- I think there needs to be a little bit of a framework so that you can go in prepared to respond to objections and ask good questions and know what you're going to say. But I also think that you need to be a human who listens and authentically relates to people and builds that innate ability to create relationship and value very quickly with the people that you're talking to. So it's kind of a mix.
0: Yeah, yeah. And in essence, you're actually talking about A blend of IQ and EQ. Yeah. So, as a sales professional, a leader, or an individual contributor, understanding that there's IQ in your process and your pitch and how you're going to meet with people. And then there's EQ in how you show up and how you can read the room. And I will go on record to say that for me, the future sales leader will be judged more on EQ than IQ. Uh, In fact, we may already be there now certainly in some pockets of the world but we're not there yet ryan and ai will actually increase the rate of adoption here so justine it's been wonderful having you uh, here today we could go on and on and i think perhaps maybe we (laughs) do come back together and record it another time but thank you very much for making your time so if people wanted to find justine Beauregard, you can absolutely do so on the people over profit podcast how else can people get in touch with you justine
1: Yeah, well, they can definitely get in touch with me on social media, Instagram, or Facebook at Justine Beauregard Coach. Or you can search for my name on LinkedIn. I don't think there are too many Justine Beauregards on LinkedIn. So (laughs) you can probably find me there. And please, before we go, rate and review this show because more people need advice like this. More people need to hear authentic conversations like this. What you're doing here, Ben, is so important. I think that whole shift from IQ to EQ, it starts on platforms like this, where we really show up and care about people and talk about these topics in a vulnerable way to educate and hopefully motivate and inspire people to do the right things and things that feel good to them. So whenever I see a show like yours, I always want people to just spread the word and share it and, you know, show up for you.
0: Thank you very much, Justine. That's very kind. And same in reverse, right? For me, you have good podcast sessions and then you have ones where you watch the clock and get to the end. And this certainly wasn't one of those. So thank you very much. I look forward to chatting with you again. For everyone else, please keep living in a world of possibility and you'll be amazed by what you can achieve. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Want to be kept up to date with any of our free materials to help you build the best sales teams possible? Well, the easiest way you can do so is to follow us on your favorite social media channel. We're at Stronger Sales Teams on most of them. And if you DM us Stronger, we'll send you right back some great resources to help you build your superpower sales team. If you'd like a little more help, please get in touch directly and book a free discovery call with me. I run a limited number of these sessions and they're free for my podcast listeners. I'd love to help you out. Until then, see you next week for another podcast of Stronger Sales Team.